Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters, and we're two pastors, one podcast. On each episode, we'll be answering one of your questions about God, the Bible, faith, and life. We're so excited you're joining us. You're mumbling. That was on there. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Okay, we are back. We took a little week off last yep. week unintentionally. Um, we just, the weekend, well, the weeks, I think. We had birthday weeks and, yeah, you we know. Yeah, we had two birthdays Lent in a row. It got kind of crazy and, you know, life happens. Yeah. So. It was just, uh, we just weren't ready to do it on nope. Monday and so we didn't. Because we want our people to have our best. <laughs> just what's left over. That is true. Yeah, Plus, great. we're sending it out there for free. So we figure when we want to take a break, yeah, we'll take well, a break. There's also that. <laughs> um, anyways, it was a good week off. We are yeah. back. Um, just to recap, well, we're going to be back with, we're going to talk about lust today. Yes. Which will be a great way to start the week. Yes. Yep. Lust. Yep. But first, um, it is Holy Week. It is. So this is the Monday of Holy Week. So Holy Week is the most important week in the history of the of the world. This is the week in which uh, the, the universe was redeemed. Mm-hmm. And it begins on Palm Sunday when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He's hailed as a king. This is Monday. So this is the day when Jesus goes into the temple and overturns the table of the moneylenders, cleanses the temple as it's called. Tomorrow, Tuesday, Jesus will return to the temple for his day of disputes and debates with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Wednesday is uh, a day of rest. The Bible mm-hmm. doesn't tell us much about it. It just says they rested on that day. Right. But it's during uh, Tuesday night until Wednesday, that's when Judas decides to betray him. Uh, Thursday, of course, is Maundy Thursday. That's when they celebrate the Passover. Jesus celebrates the Last Supper, washes the feet of the apostles. Uh, Thursday midnight or so, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, his hour of agony in the garden, then he's arrested. Uh, he's hauled off to Caiaphas's palace as the sun comes up on Friday. That's when he is officially uh, tried and condemned, first before the, the, the Sanhedrin mm-hmm. and then later uh, before, uh, before Pilate. Nailed to the cross about 9 o'clock. At uh, 12 noon, the, uh, the darkness covers the face of the land. At 3 o'clock, he dies. By 6 o'clock, he's laid in the tomb. Saturday is a day of rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on Sunday is Easter Sunday. Amazing. That was very well done. I think it would have taken me some notes to go through everything like that. Well, no. Yeah, that was good. But you reminded me of two things. Number one, if you want more on each of those days last year during... Uh, Lent, I think we did each day of Holy Week yeah. as an episode. Yeah, we did. We, yeah. we, we really went into a lot of detail about, about each one. Yeah, right. so you could go back um, oh, quite a ways in, and you could do Holy Week. I think, I can't remember what the episodes were called, but anyways, you'll find it. And yeah. we did each day of Holy Week and we went through it. So that's more there. And then also last year, I had a kind of a one page printable about mm-hmm. what happened on Good Friday that yep. you could pray through. And I'll send that in the email that we send okay. out. So I'm going to add that. I just thought of that. I'm yeah. going to add that to this email when you get today. So if you want to go through on Friday, our kids at least don't have school. If yours don't as well, you can go through it with them and right. you could pray the hours of Good Friday um, and all the things that happened or just be reminded at least. Yeah. Uh, you could also read in the Bible, you know, uh, Mark chapters 14 and 15 is the story of Holy Week. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you can celebrate with us at church. Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, we've, uh, we celebrated Palm Sunday. Great day at church, yes. by the way. Loved it. Absolutely. New members. Loved, uh, I, I loved the Palm Sunday processional. Mm-hmm. I, I loved receiving the new members. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maundy Thursday, we will celebrate, commemorate, and in a sense, recreate uh, the, the events of the Last Supper mm-hmm. and the foot washing. 
And then Good Friday, we'll have two services identical by the seven last words of Christ if you want to come and, and, uh, and worship on that day. So mm-hmm. Now, do you have people to do the feet washing? Yes, we do. Good. Okay, you don't have to give it away, but no. I just wondered if you had your volunteers. Sometimes it can be hard to find people that it are does. willing to get their feet washed. Yes, because it, you know people are not everyone likes to be up in public, let alone to have their feet out. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad that's all taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing. Let's see. Is there anything else to go over? No, Palm Sunday? No, we can jump yeah, in, Palm I think. Palm Sunday, Holy Week, so okay. we can jump right into lust. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, boy. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You're going to have to take this a lot, I think. So this is one of the seven Ooh. deadly sins, lust. Yes. Uh, and we'll start kind of with the beginning. So the definition, lust is a strong sexual desire. So it's not just a sexual desire, which is a good thing. You know, God uh, God created us with that sexual desire. Okay. So it's one of the good things that he created us with. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, Genesis 2, you know, the, the man was alone. And then God uh, put him to sleep and created Eve. And he says, this at last is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Very physical. Right? Mm-hmm. Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Uh, and that was good. So God created okay. us good with that desire. And then Jesus himself reaffirms that in Matthew 19. Young man comes up and asks him a question about marriage. And Jesus says, well, don't you know that in the beginning, mm-hmm. he who made them made them male and female. And for this reason, the man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one put asunder. And so sexual desire is a gift from God. It's how we are created. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lust is, a, is a, a, a perverse thing. It is an uh, abnormally or um, extraordinarily strong sexual desire. And so that's where the perversion comes in. Okay. Just as you know, gluttony is, is a perversion of hunger. You know, God made us to, to be yeah, hungry Yeah, we have to eat to nourish ourselves. And gluttony is a perversion of that. So to okay. lust would be a perversion of the sexual desire that God has created us with. Okay. Uh, and because God created that sexual desire for, for marriage, you know, for the union of husband and wife, lust is, in the Bible, lust is very, very closely tied together with adultery okay. or breaking that marriage vow. Okay. Well, before you go into all that, mm-hmm. which I know there's a lot there, yeah. wait, can you... Can you lust for your own spouse? Is that a sin? I mean, That's like a great se- question. sexual desire for your spouse would be natural, I guess. But could it? Can you lust? Can you go cross the line with someone you're actually married to? Oh yeah, if you're married, you you find that out in a hurry. Yeah. Well, no, I know. Any- <laughs> yes, in other ways, but I'm saying this way, like. Could, yeah. you, could you fall into lust over, like, even if it's about your own spouse? Yeah, I would say, because if, if lust is an abnormally strong, or, or that's not strong enough for it. Uh, well, I guess it's objectifying. It's making yeah. the person just a sexual object. Is that right? right? Yeah. And so, okay. you know, God, God made us to have desire for one another. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, certainly, not, uh, so for example, in, uh, in, in a marriage, if, you know, one partner is always chasing the other around the house and the other doesn't want to be chased around the house, you know, if, if one is making, if the husband is making the, the, the wife feel like a... <laughs> I'm laughing I know very you are. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, yes. If the, if the <laughs> husband is, is making the wife feel like a piece of meat, then yeah, then clearly there's lust there. Okay. Well, that's good. But um, yeah, but like we said, it's... It, it can happen in marriage, you're saying. It's, it'd be unlikely. I mean, because that's... Yeah, well, you know, Jesus yeah. talks in, in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, if, you look, if you've looked on a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with okay. her. Okay. And so it's not just the outward act, okay. uh, but it's also the, the inward desire. And so, you know, your desires can go wrong in all kinds of ways, even with the people that they're given for. Okay. But, and we'll talk more about it after we get back to your original point, yeah. but, um, you know, along those lines... Um, 
it's what was I going to say? It's not then a, when you are lusting for something you shouldn't have. That's outside of the marriage. There is a difference. Yeah, you know. That's, yeah, that's there different. is. And of course, yeah. you know, we use this word lust for other things too. Yeah. You know, even the Bible uses you know the lust for money, the lust for possession. Yes. But I'm, I'm using it specifically okay. in a narrow sense. Okay. But anyways, what your point was is that it's tied into adultery and idolatry. Right. Exactly. So so in the when you look at it from a biblical perspective. Okay. Because uh, sex was given for the purposes of marriage, mm-hmm. therefore lust, which is an inordinate sexual desire, is, is very closely related to adultery. And okay. so the, the key example of that, of course, would be David and Bathsheba. Yes. You know, that, that, uh, that David lusted after Bathsheba. No, you know, Something she, he saw that he wasn't supposed exactly. to have and, and wanted. So, okay. And so that led to all kinds of horrible things, it's, yes. certainly for Uriah, right, Bathsheba's husband. Uh, but also for himself, for his own family, and for the nation. Yes. And so that's this a good chain of events happened from that chain, one. Right. Yeah. And because of the because of who David was, that he was the king, okay. the position that he was in, that he was the king. Uh, when David sinned, this lust really led to catastrophic results throughout the the kingdom. Okay. Uh, there was this breaking of a covenant, and that's kind of the, the dominant image that we see throughout the Old Testament is that lust is almost always used. I was shocked by this when I, when I looked up the word lust in the Old Testament. It's almost always used every single time in connection with idolatry. Okay. And so in the Old Testament, you know, Israel is uh, Israel and, and the Lord God of Israel are in a marriage relationship, yes. a covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. And so the breaking of that relationship, the metaphor is used for adultery. Uh, and so it's so the word lust in the Old Testament is always used as a metaphor to talk about that that broken relationship between God and Israel. Okay, and we should also say that actually the word lust isn't used all that much no, in the Bible. No, it was I was really kind of shocked actually. Yeah, there's uh, there's kind of other words that get to it. So okay. uh, lewdness, okay. um, whoring, uh, sexual immorality. Yes. you know, all these other words. But so here's a great case. This is uh, Ezekiel 23. And okay. If you ever if you ever want to go to the adult section of the Bible, I'll tell you what, Ezekiel 23 is it. Really? Um, I don't know if I could call it out by heart. Oh, Let's see, yeah. what it is it? Uh, and so this is, uh, and so it's a prophecy against the northern and the southern kingdoms. The northern kingdom has already fallen, and now God has sent the mm. prophet Ezekiel to warn the southern kingdom, saying, repent and turn from your ways or you will fall too. Okay. So it's kind of a rehearsal of what's gone uh, the recent past. He says, now the northern kingdom played the whore while she was mine, and she lusted after her lovers, the Assyrians. Uh, and, and then he goes on to say, and now her sister, the southern kingdom, saw this. She became more corrupt than her sister in her lust and in her whoring. And she lusted after the Assyrians, and she lusted after the Chaldeans, and the Babylonians came to her, and the Egyptians came to oh her. My goodness. And so this idea of how, you know, God made the nation of Israel to be his own. And, okay. Uh, and, and now they've gone to these, these foreign kings mm-hmm. and these foreign gods. And so he talks about it by using this phrase, lusting after them. This, okay this adultery that, that breaks the covenant relationship. Right. And that is throughout the Old Testament, as you said. I mm-hmm. mean, um, Hosea, you know, the book of Hosea is a great example of yeah. that, you know. Oh, that's yeah, a fantastic example, right? Okay. So so that's good. So it's tied in tightly with idolatry and adultery. Exactly. So in the Old Testament, it's very, very tightly tied in with uh, with with, uh, with adultery and idolatry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the lust is one of the ways that the, the Old Testament talks about um, turning away from God. Okay. And so in the New Testament, mm-hmm. by the time we come to the New Testament, it becomes lust is much more used the way we think of it mm-hmm. as an individual sin, you know, not a okay. community sin. Right. But an individual sin having to do with flesh. Um, but it's also one of the key ways that the covenant is broken. 
Uh, and so again, there's that that's that key sense of a covenant relationship. So one of the key ways that um, that a covenant is broken. Is so uh, so we we mentioned the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. That if you look on a woman with lust in right. your heart, you've already committed adultery against her, right? And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is listing, laying out all of these ways that uh, that the law reveals us for who we are. Right. That we are not righteous. We're not white, right. That there's wickedness within us. Mm-hmm. And that it's more of a condition than a thing. Exactly. Yeah, it's a condition, not a act. Not an act, right. Because it's not It's both, just, but it's more. Well, it's both, right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not simply the act of right. laying with a woman who's not your wife, but it's even the thought about yeah, right. laying with a woman who's not your wife. That itself is sinful. Right. Uh, and and the, the goal of this is to drive you to see just how deeply sinful you are. And so in Matthew 15, there's a very famous passage. Let me see if I can pull it up here. And as you're pulling it up, we should say, you know, people who are listening to this who probably aren't Christians or are kind of wondering about it, that sounds horrible, to drive you to see just how horrible and sinful you are. Yeah. As Christians, we believe that's a good thing because it drives us to God. Exactly. But if you're, if you're you know, unfamiliar with this terminology, it would sound horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's one of the, scan- I mean, that is the great scandal okay. uh, of the Christian faith is that, you know, we, we worship a, a God who came for us and we put him to death and that, okay. uh, to show us what kind of a sinner we are. Okay, you know? okay. So Matthew 15, very famous passage, mm-hmm. Jesus talks about, um, he's talking about the kosher laws. Okay. And he says, it's not the things that go into your stomach that defile you, mm-hmm. but it's what comes out of your heart. And notice where the, the list starts. This is Matthew 15, verse 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, mm-hmm. sexual immorality, mm-hmm. theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not eating with, you know, it's not eating pork, but it's the stuff that comes out of your heart. That's what defiles a person. Uh, and so in, in, the, in the New Testament, um, sexual immorality is one of the key things that breaks that relationship we have with okay. God. Mm-hmm. And sexual immorality is, again, which is kind of the New Testament phrase for lust. Okay. Uh, sexual immorality is almost always at the head of the list of sins. Hmm. And so throughout the epistles, throughout Paul's letters, Paul, toward the end of his letters, will have this list of, here's things to avoid. Right. (laughs) Uh, And sexual immorality is almost always at the top of those. So this is from, let me see if I can find it. This is from 1 Thessalonians 4. Oh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so Paul writes, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Mm -hmm. Right. So God has redeemed us that we might be sanctified, that we might walk as his. Mm -hmm. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Mm Mm-hmm. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles do who do not know God, and that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all of these things. For God has called us for not to impurity, but in holiness. Okay. So it's almost always sexual immorality, almost always at the very head of the aisle. Why um, do you think that is? Well, I'd say because in that culture is, is that culture, the Greek and Roman culture was like ours is now rapidly becoming it was a yeah i was gonna say ours is the exact same right yeah now. well although there's i guess the well, there's difference, differences yes you know the, the difference would be that currently uh ours is a, a culture steeped in pornography okay uh, but we haven't yet become a culture steeped in prostitution now we're, we're rapidly heading that way we could yeah you know the the latest talk in the sexual revolution is about um legitimizing sex work as they mm-hmm, call it right Right. And so we're rapidly approaching that, but we're not there yet. Whereas, you know, when the early church started, 
prostitution was just a given. I right. Mean, it's, and know, it was tied up with religions and it stuff. It was all tied up with religions. I mean, right. it was... So it was... Uh, so for for Christians to talk so much about sexual immorality was again as always a radical thing. It was absolutely, yeah. and to say that women have more value than to be just used as like some kind of temple prostitute was yeah. a radical thing. Nobody likes to see it that way, but um, telling husbands that they're not supposed to be doing that kind of stuff was radical. It was, yeah, and, and telling masters too because it was a slave True. culture. You right, know, something like twenty to twenty five percent of the True. Roman Empire was enslaved. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, slaves had no rights over their mm-hmm. own bodies. And so... Right. And uh, Paul says that the body, the husband's body belongs to the wife and the wife's body belongs to the husband. That's exactly were you going what there? we're getting to. Perfect. So, I mean, that's the thing. People say, you know, they take that one line, the wife's body belongs mm-hmm. to the husband, and they go absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. It says the opposite as well. Yeah. Yeah. That, that they belong to each other. Yeah. And so this is from 1 Corinthians 6, and mm-hmm. you know, that's a reminder of just how deeply sinful was the world in which, uh, in which the gospel first appeared. So 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is talking about, uh, about sexual immorality, and he said, no, where's the line I'm looking for? Ah, Uh-oh. 1 Corinthians 6, um, verse, oh, there it is, verse 18. Google would help. Go ahead. So Paul says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God mm-hmm. in your body. Amen. And again, how the two are tied up, that it's not just a matter of, of your sinning against other people, but it's a matter of idolatry, mm-hmm. that you're breaking your covenant relationship with God through, through lust, through sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. So flee sexual immorality. He says, turn away from it. That right. you know, all sin is sin, but there are some sins that are far more devastating than others, and this is one of them. Right. And that's you know, I've, I certainly have seen that as a pastor. Yeah. Is that uh, the this the family of sexual um, the, the family sins of sexual immorality, which would be you know, pornography, adultery, um, all infidelity, all kinds of things have just a devastating, devastating mm-hmm. impact on families. And they're very hard to overcome. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, you know, yeah. uh, sometimes it happens, um, but by the time they come to you, sometimes it's it's too much. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and, and God gives us these spiritual uh, principles, obviously for our own benefit and to keep us within, you know, healthy relationships. But oftentimes they also have a physical counterpart. I mean, there's all sorts of new science that says, you know, when you have sex with someone, there's this whole chemical cocktail, you know, Mm -hmm. brain-wise even, that's created. And those are bonds that, you know, people like to think that they're just fleeting and they can be fine doing that as a one-night stand type thing. But in reality, that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. And they're finding a similar thing even with, uh, especially with pornography. Oh, right. You know? Definitely. Is that uh, what they're finding now is that young, you know, young men are exposed to pornography. And women and, now and girls now. And it's, girls. it's everyone now. Yeah. At an earlier and earlier mm-hmm. age and a pornography of, of a far more uh, graphic and explicit. Pernicious. Thing than used yeah. To, mm-hmm. Very pernicious. Yeah. And so what it does is it kind of sears your conscience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and what they're finding is now there's this epidemic of infertility uh, among young men because They've seen so much pornography that they are no longer aroused by yes, an actual yes. woman. Mm-hmm. So it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to, so to that end, so we've spoken a lot about lust, mm-hmm. how it's an inordinate or a perverse, uh, a ravenous distra- desire, okay. sexual desire. Uh, and so then the correction to it would be marriage. Right? Yes. But God, God gave us sex originally. It's his gift. 
Uh, but he gave it for the, the context and the covenant of marriage that it's supposed to be between husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, that's what we just read about how, you know, flee sexual immorality. And in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, Paul says, and, and here's, the, uh, here's how you um, keep your, your sexual uh, desires within bounds. And you just mentioned it. To the married, I give this charge that the wife should not separate from her husband. The husband should not divorce his wife, but that they, they're made for each other. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're made for each other. That the, the husband's wife, or that the husband's body does not belong to himself. Mm-hmm. The wife's body does not belong to herself. Right. But that they're they're given for each other. Right. Well, so. yeah, and that um, leads into just kind of we, even in marriage, we can get ourselves into trouble sexually yeah. by you know you know withholding or like playing mind games with mm-hmm. us. That's what that passage is about. It's like you know don't deny the right. other. Um, because of that problem, which a lot of people use sex as power, you know, yeah, in a relationship. Yeah, it becomes a bargaining chip. Yes, that's uh, what it I was becomes, looking for. It you know, a, mm-hmm. a way to get your husband to do chores around the house or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yes, and that's, that, uh, that, and you know, you can see how people get there, but that's not mm-hmm. the proper use of it. Right. right. Because mm-hmm. you're playing with fire. Right. You're playing with fire. Yep. So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you, you know, we've seen that in just 20 years now. It's almost been in ministry. So you definitely have seen the fallout of problems of this nature oh my goodness yeah yeah, yeah. it's hard so that's that's the we made it through <laughs> we made it through yeah, that's with a tough only, one with only one giggle that's pretty yeah, good no there were two actually okay. um this is a tough it's a tough one and i should say we should end with this teaching on jesus because um you know he says everyone who looks at a woman with lustful i can't even read my writing what does it say lustful intent intent has already committed adultery now that seems like a very hopeless statement i think mm-hmm. um But I think what we were getting at earlier is that, first of all, God created us with sexual desire. So he can't be saying, you know, if you feel aroused or something, um, that it's wrong. But he is saying, but we're talking, like you said, the Sermon on the Mount drives us back to the condition. He's pointing out to us that our condition is sinful and we need Jesus to redeem all things, including this particular thing. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've read a lot of books about this for men's ministry. Okay. And they talk about the second glance. And so, okay. you know, if there's a, a beautiful woman walking by or mm-hmm. something, it's natural because, you know, God has made you to, to appreciate beauty. It's natural that you should see her okay. and think, wow, that's a beautiful woman. Uh, but then there's the lingering glance where you're like, oh, I'm going to oh, look okay. at that. Yes. Uh, or there's the second, second glance where you come back and you stare. That's when it becomes a problem, right? Okay. And so to appreciate beauty is one thing. Okay. Uh, but to, to, to linger and, and, and covet and think about, that's where it becomes sin. Okay. Right? And so a lot of these men's ministries books, the, the phrase is bounce your eyes. Oh. Uh, that, you know, you, you're um, at a pool or something and there's a beautiful woman in a bikini. <laughs> Great, but it doesn't mean you have to stare at her. You, just, okay. you, know, you look somewhere else. Okay. And that, that's how you control so that you don't fall into this trap of lust. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot for you on your Monday morning. I... Um, just remember, it is Holy Week, yeah. and so we hope that you will join us, or join us if you're living somewhere else that church is not in session yet. I hope you can watch somewhere online or worship. Like stjohnlutheran.com. Can you? Well, I was going to ask you because yeah. that Friday printable are, do, is our Friday night service online or no? no? You know, okay. we, we didn't think that far ahead, so yeah. we're just going to live stream the uh, the Easter, Easter. Sunday. Okay, and that's Got it. because Monday Thursday is so tangible. You know, it's communion, it's foot washing. Yeah, it's not. It's not uh, to watch. And yeah. then you know, Good Friday, we, we weren't really set up for it, so we're just mm-hmm. going to focus on yes. Easter Sunday. Yeah. yeah. And before we go, if you remember, because now it's been an entire year that we've been in this 
you know, world of church on church. Well, not for us, but mm-hmm. a lot of people are still in church online. But yeah, last Good Friday, remember we had all sorts of problems because oh, it was yeah. our first. We were just learning all this stuff, and we were trying to do Tenebrae online. Yeah, and the lights picture, went out, and right. there's a picture of you on the phone, on the and phone I was calling you saying, "You're oh, still on goodness. the screen. Don't say anything bad." Oh, my <laughs> okay. And you know, a, a final note: if uh, this is the the most important week of the year, yes, uh, and this is a, a week when a lot of people come to church who either have just a very nominal faith in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ or maybe no faith in Jesus at all. And so to our listeners out there, please pray for me. Uh, I feel like the Lord has given me a good, powerful sermon for Easter Sunday. And I ask, please pray for me, that God would bless me, that God would give me passion and clarity, uh, and that God would use me as a servant to preach the, the message of Jesus Christ in a way that people can hear. Amen. And, pre- and pray for all the pre- preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our bishop encouraged you guys this week, right, yeah. to preach the gospel, no holds barred. Yeah, and so we pray for all of our NALC pastors and for pastors everywhere. Amen. Amen.